when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This podcast contains explicit language. know that'll probably be the first thing anyone hears on the <laughs> so that happened this week the justice department lowered the boom on fifa the governing body of international soccer arresting and indicting nine high-ranking fifa officials on charges ranging from racketeering wire fraud and money laundering We'll explain why these clapped-out grifters are absolutely worthy targets of a criminal investigation. Meanwhile, is there anyone in the Republican Party not running for president? As the GOP field swells and swells, we'll talk about why it is that so many people who can't possibly win the nomination are going for it anyway. Spoiler alert, the answer is that there's way too much money in politics. Finally, we return to one of our favorite topics— the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal, and why it is that the Obama administration ended up going to the mattresses to get a provision barring countries that engage in slavery from participating in the trade deal out of the bill. I'm Jason Lincolns with Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter, Arthur Delaney, Ryan Grimm, and Laura Barone-Lopez. And here's what happened first. Good day, America. Welcome to So That Happened the Huffington Post DC Bureau podcast about stuff that we watched happen and could do nothing about. <laughs> I don't, I mean, we observed, doesn't, don't we inevitably affect what we observe? I suppose that's true. You know, if we move a grain of sand in the Sahara, we've changed humanity. I mean, we, we talk to those campaigns and we say, Hey, saw you did something. Yeah, I guess it's true. I guess we have done something about it. Yeah. Just maybe not enough, but we're going to try to do some more right now. And here, but how's everybody? Obviously, you've given away the game. Arthur Delaney is with us. Hey, say Arthur. Say how's it going, Arthur? Uh, how's it going, Jason? That's going great. It's going great. And I'm also joined by Zach Carter. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm? Zach Carter. He's Who me? Here. Who? Wow. Zach. I I missed last week, so I uh, I feel I feel like I'm coming home. You missed the entire week last week. No, I had to do a lot of reporting last week, but oh, uh, right. I missed the podcast last week, and and it, but you know, it made me feel a little bit dead inside. Well, you know? let's see if we can revive your soul, man. I've been reborn. Yes. I'm actually being reborn right now. There's fluids everywhere. It's vile. That's nasty. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're giving our listeners such a mental image. Uh, how's everybody been? Good week around? Bad week? It was a uh, a short week, mercifully. Yeah, Memorial Day. But the weather. Bad weather. Yeah, it's Too gotten. Hot. For those of you who don't live in D.C., don't come in the summer because it's awful. It is like being inside a wet rag that's also 110 degrees. Uh, we're famous for our heat and humidity. We're also famous for our clapped out political class. 
but mostly right now is the humidity is bringing everyone down. Yeah, it's been miserable. My my poor dog. My God. We go hiking every morning before work because my dog needs a lot of exercise and is really crazy. Um, and the summers are, like, great because you just don't have to hike as much. She just gets Too totally... Tired. Yeah, I mean, I, I I always think the... There's sort of like a... Uh, 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 I don't know, Schrodinger's paradox, something here, where outside in D.C. it always feels, this time of year, it feels like the inside of a dog's mouth. But when you actually have a really hot dog outside in, in D.C. at this time, like, does that cause, like, like, a dog's mouth inside of a dog's mouth? Is there, like, a, a wormhole where I can go back in time as a result of that? Dogs put their mouths on each other all the time. So it's not like, th- this is a thing that happens. Not a big deal, man. I, like can, I think you can go back in time. Listen, it's summer. The, the hot weather in D.C. sucks. It's better around August when, because there didn't used to be air conditioning, Congress was just like, we're out. Bye. We're all going home. And then an, an aura of goof off descends on the city every August to this day. Uh, because I, I think because Congress has always gone away. And I appreciate that. Yeah, that's I great. I don't go on vacation in August because it's a waste. It's it, work is so easy. It's yeah. great. You want to go on vacation right See, when everyone I, needs you. <laughs> I take a different I take a different approach. I hate August. I think August is terrible and I think that someone somewhere always gets up to some shit in August and I hate it. So I'm actually going on vacation in August for 13 days and I will not care about anything in the news while I'm there. What's going to happen to the podcast, Jason? We'll find a way to survive. What? Uh, we'll find a way. Dad, does this mean you don't? No, no, it doesn't mean that. I do like that you somehow created that whole uh, inside a dog's mouth thing. You sort of combined Schrodinger's box and Zeno's paradox into <laughs> something. If you <laughs> if you go halfway inside a dog's mouth and then go halfway further and then go halfway further, do you ever arrive at the end of the dog's mouth? No, it's just, it, it becomes 1985 all of a sudden. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. Mister is a thing. Was that 1985? This is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about politics. All right, okay. Well, I got to tell you, I am stoked. I am stoked this week something fantastic happened to the world. Rick Santorum's candidacy. No, 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 no. We'll get to that. Oh. We'll get to that. That's obviously amazing. <laughs> 14 gentlemen from the Federation Internationale Football Association were arrested. Were arrested in Switzerland by our Justice Department. I'm so excited. I'm I didn't, so excited. I, I have found this story bewildering, so oh. I'm glad you're excited and you can help explain it because I didn't realize soccer had its own country. <laughs> it kind of does. But I'm glad we're, you know, oh. going to war. You guys, this is really, uh, this is really great news, I think, for the world. So FIFA. Uh, a, a notorious gang of scoundrels. Um, <laughs> 14 people were arrested. According to the indictment, they were arrested uh, on charges including racketeering, wire fraud, money laundering, and conspiracy. It involved senior soccer officials at, at FIFA organization, including the, an executive vice president. Uh, it's all taken place right before the FIFA Congress uh, meets to elect their new president. The person who will probably win, even in spite of all of this, is a guy named Sepp Blatter, which sounds like something that happens to your penis when you've put it somewhere bad. Or your bladder. Sepp, Sepp Blatter. Sepp Blatter. I've got a scorching hot case 
a set bladder down Ooh. under. Oh. So. Uh, <laughs> it's like a combination, but sep is like, it's like hepsy all in one, right. one word. So, <laughs> so this is going to bring in sports marketing executives from the United States, South America. Uh, according to the indictment, these people are accused of paying more than $150 million in bribes, taking kickbacks in exchange for all kinds of nest feathering. Here's, um, here's what I don't get. Yeah. So they they were enriching themselves at the expense of people who do TV contracts. Like who cares? They enrich themselves in myriad ways. One of the ways in which they've enriched themselves is that they uh, FIFA, the FIFA's governing council are the people who decide where the World Cup is every year. Yeah. And what's supposed to happen is that the countries that want the World Cup are supposed to present their ideas and say, "Here's how we do the World Cup." Blah blah blah. Uh, and and FIFA is supposed to take a studied look at what would be best for the sport and say, you get the World Cup, I think you've got it going on. But what's basically been happening is these countries have made their presentations, but they've also bribed FIFA officials with, with millions of dollars. Um, Way back when when uh, Qatar was awarded, or well, let's decide: are we going to call it Qatar or Qatar? Let's call it Qatar. That's the that's that's the the, the appropriate sort of main. Okay, that's great. Now. That's great because later on this podcast, I refer to it as Qatar repeatedly. So let's confuse everyone. How are you in two uh, <laughs> time sequences at the same time? I am dog's magic. Mouth. I'm inside that a dog's, dog's mouth. Oh man! Right. So so at the time that the time that Qatar, which we'll call it on this segment, and we'll call it Qatar in a later segment. Uh. Um, <laughs> but at the time they were awarded the World Cup. Uh, the governing council that's normally, I think, 24 people is down to 22 because 22, sorry, two of the members of the organization that decides this stuff uh, were caught trying to sell their vote to journalists pretending to be people who are bribing them. So they're not a bright organization, but they're they're manifestly corrupt in, in, in so many ways. And it's so great that they're being brought to heel. At, I, I want to jump in on Cutter start, here. Start being brought to heel. Is, yeah, let's jump in on Cutter. Remember, cut, the, 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 the price of Cutter getting the World Cup is that a country with an absolutely atrocious human rights record um, has to do all this construction, and they have, they have to get, get all this infrastructure in place for a major event. Um, and we saw some problems, for instance, with like the Sochi Olympics. Like, like a dozen or so workers died in the, in the process of that. There, there weren't a lot yeah. of great worker protections. It was, it was pretty weak. In Cutter... Um, over several hundred, uh, depending on your count, on who's on which which nonprofit data you're you're relying on. In some cases, well over a thousand um, people who have been trafficked to Qatar to work on the World Cup stuff have died since they were awarded. O- over a thousand. Twelve hundred. Yeah, and Qatar. Just just to put this in, in I, we're going to talk about this later. To put that in perspective, Qatar's not even the worst category of like human trafficking violator. And so it's, it, they're, they're like one step above the worst. And so it's, it's, it's which nice is to crazy see. to me because Malaysia, the country that's wrapped up in the TPP controversy, they're considered a T tier three. So cutter is a tier two. Yeah. Tier two watch list. So they're, they're, they're they, they might drop down to tier three any minute now. Um, but they, currently Malaysia is worse and we are trying to pursue a trade deal that doesn't force Malaysia yeah. to do anything about that. That's that's now, a side note, though. But Cutter Cutter is a place of booming construction all the time, regardless. Fantastically rich nation, oil rich nation. So this, so so it's you know to what degree would uh, you know people are going to be dying and human trafficked, whether FIFA 
is doing this there or but not. But they wouldn't be building 12 stadiums in Qatar yeah. if it weren't for this bizarre decision to give them the World Cup. The um and and I want to say you know and I've already heard from people about this that have asked well, FIFA so what? Wouldn't it be great if we nailed big bankers? Wouldn't it be great if we nailed big corporations? And look, I understand that the sort of like palace intrigue in FIFA, the sort of ins and outs, the kind of like Downton Abbey esque like narrative of corruption that goes on behind closed doors seems silly to a lot of people because it's about soccer and it's and it's about a sport that most Americans don't care about. And is still just sort of seemingly a frivolous thing. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, people, these are definitely worthy. The, the going after these people at FIFA, very worthy goal. Qatar is a nation that has no real soccer tradition, and it is 120 degrees Fahrenheit during the summer, which is when the World Cup is normally held. Obviously, would be held at some other time, but it's still way too hot to play soccer. They have to build a bunch of stadiums. They don't have a bunch of soccer stadiums, which is crazy. Uh, a lot of very top arch uh, top architectural firms have been called in to design these elaborate stadiums. They look from the future. They're gorgeous. Uh, but as is tradition in Qatar, uh, all the people who do the construction work are essentially slaves. I mean, they're basically slaves. And this is the kind of worst, it's funny to it's funny to now know that Malaysia's worse because if you think about what's happening in Qatar, it's crazy. These people are, 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 are trafficked from Nepal and India, primarily. They're from other countries too, but they're primarily from Nepal and India. And they are, they are brought to Qatar and their passports are taken away. And they uh, are, are, are locked in to grueling, unbelievably grueling and painful construction work. They live shitty, they eat crappy food, and they still have to pay off various people, including the people who trafficked them there in the first place. It's basically like indentured servitude. Yes. Uh, indefinite, though. They can't leave the country to go home. Like, they can't, they can't be... There's never a situation where a slave says, yeah, you know what, fuck this, I'm going back to Nepal. Nah, because the people who have hired them have taken their passport, taken their papers. They can't leave. There have been two devastating earthquakes in Nepal in the past month. And people, Nepalese workers in Qatar have tried to get back home to their families. Qatar won't let them leave. The people... The people in charge of this, won't let them leave. Journalists have gone to Qatar to report on this. The government has stepped in and arrested them. Uh, they held a couple, I, I believe, New York Times reporters. I'm probably wrong on that. I will check. Uh, they, 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 they recently uh, put two reporters who were covering the story uh, in prison for a period of time, wouldn't let them out of prison, didn't charge them with anything, in fact, when the time came for them to rejoin the junket that they were supposed to be on in the first place, they just let them go and rejoin the junket. Huh. It's crazy. 1,200 people, of these slaves, have died. That is insane. And it's just in a couple of years. I mean, yes. this, this is not like over the course of 20 or 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, and this is, 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 is going to happen in 2022. It's, we're projected. The projected deaths? About 4,000. So... Think about it. Is it worth it to have a World Cup where the cost is essentially 
one and a half September 11th. That's yeah. crazy to think about. And and in to, to people who are who think of the FIFA scandal is not that big, like big a deal, like why don't we crack down on big banks, this sort of thing. I mean, FIFA makes a ton of money. This 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 is a white collar crime scandal. This this is this is something where thousands of people are dying, other people's people are living like shit, basically, um, so that people at FIFA can get really really filthy rich. Um, that is that is exactly that that is actually an extreme version of what of what went on in in the financial crisis, right? Yeah, where where, where a lot of people's lives were ruined so that other people could could try to get really rich. We're talking about people cut from the same cloth. They do not have the minds to conceive of you know an epic you know. Uh, they don't have the they don't have the the minds to do the quantitative shit that you do on Wall Street credit fault swaps. That's it. But they do have the souls. A lot of people on Wall Street don't have the minds. You're right, you're right, you're right. Turns out, but but they, they hire the people to do. But they do have the same type of souls, and they uh, they manipulate money in ways that are, comp- are uh, maybe a lot less sophisticated than a Wall Street uh, criminal, but nevertheless still very devastating. And, 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 you know, I think that probably most people on Wall Street can at least walk down the street feeling that they were part of a productive economy. They were not facilitating human trafficking. Right. <laughs> and these guys were living uh, fabulously wealthy lives. Yeah. I mean, they're all... They're the big anecdote. Everyone was talking about the one guy had a, like, what, $6,000 apartment for his cats. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, they're, they're a bunch of ridiculous people. Uh, and they're, they're, they're vice-ridden blaggards, basically. Um, and... What's funny is that international sports right now, you know, one of the things I said after this is, of course, what sports, professional sports organization or amateur sports organization or profitable sports organization would you not want to see, like, hung by the heels in the town square right now? And I think the only one that anyone came up with that doesn't deserve to be punished is the Special Olympics. We're all, we're all agreed. <laughs> the Special Olympics, those are great guys. It's pretty like, good, yeah. Yeah, they're good people. Leave them alone. But but the IOC is the International Olympic Committee is just as bad as FIFA. Terrible. Uh, and here at home we have the NC2A completely corrupt. But which is dependent on the NBA to to function the way it does. Yeah, we have we have uh, uh, the, the NFL, which has been shit. Uh, we're, we're not too far removed from when Major League Baseball was making headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, what about the NHL? Does anything bad happen? With the, are they bad? I, I, think, I, think that, I think that most people don't care about the NHL. <laughs> they got the concussions. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. want to hate them. They you have a, hate them for that. They have a concussion situation going on. Uh, and I don't. I do not. I, do, I am not going to put these sports organizations in the league as the FIFA and its evil fiefdom. Well, As you've described it. Here's the thing. You should absolutely put the IOC there because a lot of there's a lot of crossover between the type of people and actually some of the same people uh, between FIFA and the IOC. They're all corrupt, uh, you know, martinets from international uh, from the international community. The IOC is having a really hard time now with the Olympics. Uh, there's a Winter Olympics that's supposed to happen. Um, uh, let me find out what year. Uh, um, it's not the next Winter Olympics, but it's the one that's supposed to happen. I think around the same time as uh, as the uh, as the World Cup we're talking about in and, the early twenty twenties. Yes, and they don't have a bidder for it. They approach. Uh, well, they they started with a bunch of bids from the kind of nations that you'd expect to want. They were trying to get it here in Washington. They were, which is crazy. Which was like, it it was not even close to a grassroots thing. It was sports team owners. 
and uh, and big shots. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they they Sweden put in a bid, Norway put in a bid, Switzerland put in a bid. I think I think uh, uh, Germany did too. Uh, and what's happened is all a bunch of nations who originally put in bids held plebiscites, and people said, you know what, we don't want the Olympics here in our country. We don't want it here. Uh, Norway, Oslo, which put in a bid, they're supposed to have a referendum about it sometime, I believe, this year, and it's likely it'll go down there too. Leave, leave, the Ukraine put in a bid. They're obviously not going to have a Winter Olympics. They are currently being invaded by Russia. <laughs> so they're not going to have an Olympics. <laughs> Russia might have a fucking Olympics in Ukraine, <laughs> but Ukraine's not going to have an Olympics. And so the two bids that are left are China and Kazakhstan. China just had had a big Olympics. Yes, they had a summer Olympics. No, well, no, but you, you see what's happening yeah, here. Yeah. You see what's happening here. And how, how far over the skis FIFA and the IOC have gotten. It is not going to be possible for them to stage these events in democracies anymore. It's not going to be possible for them to stage these events in nations where enough people are like, you know what? Fuck, we're not going to we're not going to hire slaves to build these stadiums. We're not going to build these stadiums in the first place. We're not going to fall for this fucking boondoggle. The only places left on earth that could possibly stage the Olympics are autocratic regimes and petrochemical dictatorships because those are the only type of places where like literally uh, an autocrat can command people to do this crazy shit with their economy and and then like two weeks be like well we can dispose of all that it's this is this is like the beginning of what I think could be a tipping point for these scoundrels who run international sports syndicates that's good and, and yet, people's understanding of this story is pretty superficial. It's jokes about, yeah, we don't like soccer. We're getting them. Yeah, I mean... Those jokes are funny. The, they are funny. They are funny. Did we the liked, people at FIFA deflate the soccer balls we, in the World Cup? Is we that liked, what happened? We liked the one that was like when the, when the FIFA officials were arrested, they all fell down and pretend to be hurt. I, these are legitimately funny jokes. <laughs> it was a I'm, good joke. Yeah, yeah. It is. Just, you know what? It's just soccer, and it's weird. You know, the UEFA, the European uh, Football Association that runs the Champions League, and, and, and they're, 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 they run this very, very good soccer system in Europe. Uh, they're really angry about what's happening in FIFA. And they've talked about boycotting the upcoming elections and perhaps pulling out of FIFA altogether, which sounds amazing because they are probably by far the most respected international soccer league uh, in the world, but the other soc- the other the other football associations still back FIFA. A lot of them still back Sepp Blatter. Russia has R- Russia, of course, in, in their in their current rush to like you know pal around with anybody who proves to be a complete blackguard, uh, have have like issued a warning to the United States to not mess with FIFA, which I'm sure we won't listen to. But it does it does feel like we're at perhaps some kind of tipping point where. Hopefully, hopefully we bring some of these organizations to heel because when they're not being just manifestly corrupt, they're still selling a a false story to to nations about what good their sporting event will do for their country. And the thing that kind of sickens me on this is that I think that as the story develops, I worry that like an onus is going to be placed on the players to boycott these events or the fans to stop watching these events. 
No. <laughs> the Gosh, owners, that's the, too tough. <clears throat> the onus should be on on organizations like Coca-Cola, Budweiser, major sports sponsors to say, we're not putting up with this shit anymore. And they do have leverage. In Brazil, uh, when, when, when FIFA wanted to change the law uh, that banned the sale of alcohol in sports stadiums, Budweiser muscled in and used FIFA to get them to change that law. So the sponsors have leverage. With now, wait a minute. When Budweiser protested, you know, questioned its sponsorship of the NFL publicly when there was all that domestic violence stuff, that was a real farce. Because who is involved in, you know, who, who is responsible for more domestic violence? The sports organization or the alcohol company? <laughs> Good point. Good point. The, the choice is clear. Of course, it was a farce. <laughs> But this is an opportunity for this is an opportunity for our our big corporate brands to wake up and understand that they can't look smilingly on what's happening in places like Qatar, and they can't look smilingly on organizations like FIFA and what they're doing to the world and what they're doing to people. Well, uh, fortunately, corporate leaders in the United States have a long and storied recent history of, of being doing the right people. thing because it's yeah. cool. Right. Well, just remember. I think everything's going to get better. I'm with Jason. Just remember. I mean, I, I don't know if things are going to get better, but take names. Take names along the way is what I'm saying. Hey there, listener of this podcast. I've got a quick little thing I'd love to chat with you about. Are you a regular So That Happened listener? Well, let us know. Send me an electronic communication with your electronic communicating devices at so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. Tell us what you think of the show, what we're messing up, and who you'd like to hear more from or more about. Okay, back to the program. All right, so we're moving on now to a uh, topic perhaps more frivolous. Uh, we don't often talk about 2016 here on this podcast. We know that there's going to come a time where it's going to be very important to talk about 2016. We resist it. That time will probably be when, Jason? Uh, October 2016. No, that's right. 2016 is in the name. Yeah, it's, it's in the name. I think, you're, I think you're wrong. I think the future is now. And I know you actually secretly think that, too. I think we're in 2016. You, you're accusing me of being ironic in my dislike for the way our elections start. Are you inside a dog's mouth right now? I right? think it's a meta-irony. And we're no, all man. inside the dog's mouth. I trade. I trade election systems with Britain in a heartbeat. You know who's in the dog's Shit mouth? Takes a month. Genuinely exciting results in the UK election. Uh, people couldn't predict it. Not. You know, yeah, I'm not gonna uh, start drinking tea and doing British politics. I'm. I'm a 2016 man. All right. But, uh, but you asked who's inside a dog's mouth, and I wanted to know. I want you to follow that one. I up. thought we already established that we all are and that we're simultaneously in multiple uh, points in time here and and uh, and in the future. That, okay. Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay, so... Uh, Rick Santorum you, announced his candidacy this week. Which feels kind of dog's mouthy. It feels... Real it's, dog's mouthy. It's simultaneously about the past and the future. Yes, and it's about... A guy who, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll give I'll give Rick Santorum his due. He came close to closer to the nomination last time than anyone expected, and I felt at the time I was I was real wrong on Rick Santorum in 2012. I said he's obviously a guy Republicans like, but few people will vote for because for a long time he stuck around in that one percent range, couldn't get a pop. They started debating, and at debates he proved to be somewhat of a pugilist uh, over the course of the. 
500 debates that happened. He moved from the far-off fringes to the center. And I feel like if he had gotten a little bit of support from the sort of natural donor networks that might have supported him, uh, he may have pulled off a win. But I, I disagree. I, th- I think he was one of several people who were alternatives to Mitt Romney at different times. No, are you kidding me? You're comparing him to like Herman Cain, Newt Gingrich, these people who like pop for a minute? Eh. Yeah. yeah. He, they just all popped for a minute, and he was know. the last man standing. He was the last one. That's uh, it. And he, he, and he got to stick around because they, they all had their little he you know, won Iowa. billionaire. He won Iowa, you know. Rick Santorum won, uh, won the Iowa caucus. That's true. He did. But he, I mean, he also did, one of the things that's, that's funny about money and politics is like we're, we're talk, when we talk about 2016 this cycle, it's like, well, Jeb Bush and Scott Walker, they've got, they've got all the big money locked up. All these guys are going to have their own little pet billionaire. Yeah, they do. That's and, absolutely and, right. And that's, you know, the, when, when you're talking billions of dollars that can be thrown into a race, it doesn't necessarily matter whether you've got the establishment money locked up or, or not um, it, it, in terms of just actually re- maintaining the, the, the finances necessary to, to keep the campaign up. And, and we saw that last time with, with Rick Santoro. I mean, Foster Freeze, yeah, Foster Freeze was yep. taking care of him, you know, the weird, saying weird things about birth control the whole time. Uh, he said but, he said birth control that people women should use is putting Tylenol between their knees. Right. What I'm which talking, I had to I had to have that explained to me. When I'm talking yeah, about the a support, real guy-ism. when I'm talking yeah. about the support that never showed up for Rick Santorum, I'm talking about the ev- evangelical networks who, on multiple occasions, uh, professed themselves to be coming close to supporting Rick Santorum, and then they never came through. Well, look here's here's why he's an interesting candidate this time around. I think um, he is one of the few candidates in the Republican Party who will actually talk about. Um, about community a little bit. And manufacturing. And manufacturing, yeah. And and so he he can actually, while I think the economic policies that he has supported in the past um, are totally unhinged from this rhetoric for the most part, um, everybody else in the party talking about basically the right to be rich and not have anybody tax you um, is not actually what Rick Santorum talks about. He talks about building building communities, and he and he has a little bit of a of a mixed record to some extent on economic policies. He he is he hasn't been just a, just a hardline cut taxes for rich people across the board guy and and let everybody else sort of sink or swim as as they please. Right, but he neither... supported the minimum wage, for example, and also in some situations unions. Yeah, and he's he is backed. I mean, he's from Pennsylvania. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pennsylvania, so, I mean, there's a strong union. Outside of the fact that he's from there. Pennsylvania, everything you've described about Rick Santorum is, a, is an aspect that could be attributed. And some of the as, some of the things that we haven't yet really fully described Rick Santorum, we can, we can put on Mike Huckabee, same way. Mm-hmm. You know, talks about the same things. Has the same evangelical background. Well, I mean, sorry, apologize. Rick Santorum's Catholic. Uh, Mike Huckabee is not Catholic. Mm-hmm. But to, to, if, if you don't know that, 
their rhetoric on religion is more or less the same. But Rick Santorum works this uh, working class brand harder than anyone else, and that's what he was doing in his Wednesday announcement. That's true. He was he was saying, "What about those politicians who, for years, you know, what have they done?" Which is, you know, it's it's really a forward looking statement because he was in the U.S. Senate for for about almost fifteen years. So, and in the House before that, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. He's and I tell you, he'll give a fight. He'll give a fight, and he'll be able to do it with, with, with a lot less money. But I just feel. Like this, this Republican field is so crowded. There's already there's already a shit ton of people in this field. There's more. George Pataki announced today. <laughs> George Pataki. Right. I mean, ah, ah, it's man. Like 1996. It's like we needed a Jim Gilmore in the race. Like a guy who, like years later, we're like, oh wow, he ran. It's like a trivia question. Like yeah. thanks. Thanks, George Pataki. It'll, and, and it'll, yeah, it'll be a hard trivia question. I would love to meet George Pataki's friends because, like, they are so optimistic. They're always like, you could be president, George Well, now, Pataki. wait a minute. Uh, here's something that, I, that has, uh, I've wondered about for a long time. Okay. To, to some extent, this is, this is how some of these people make a living. Maybe not the individual candidates themselves, though I do think for some people it's, it's like a lifestyle Coyly and, presenting themselves as presidential candidates. Right. The- I mean, it, it, it makes you uh, a potential media personality yep. Yep. almost indefinitely. Yep. Uh, you're speaking, your speaker fees go way up. You're surrounded by people telling you you're good for a yep. long time. And, and those people themselves, I would say you know, they say that they're good and they make a living. I, to some extent... This is all, uh, to some extent, this is, there's a racket going on. Definitely, definitely. And so, that, and so George Pataki of- obviously doesn't think he's going to win, but he's like, you know what? I have calculated that entering the Republican primary business will be advantageous to me, and I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with holding elective office. It's actually very impressive uh, on that level that George Pataki uh, has, has arrived at that point. Because it is kind of a privileged perch in American politics uh, to be able to essentially be a permanent fixture in the campaign thoughts of a nation. And there are a bunch of attendant benefits that accrue to that. There's just just the networking alone connects you to so many different financial opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise had if you'd just been like a, decent, a half decent governor of New York and retired into private life doing something else uh it, and it's it's interesting that george pataki has like tapped in but he'll never be president never in a million years i mean you know this links up with a, a lot of other sort of weird dc corrupty things that happen like there's this whole like weird conference circuit in in dc where where organizations hold these big brouhaha's somewhere in dc and they get a couple of like second tier politicians to come and talk and yep. and everybody's supposed to go and they pay hundreds of dollars to, to go and show up and, and these these guys show up and i Newt Gingrich was. I was at a, at a, a banking conference a couple of years ago, and Newt Gingrich showed up as like as like the keynote speaker one day. And I was like, "What the hell is Newt Gingrich going to have to say about like banking? that's going to matter to these like you know Midwestern banking dudes who just like showed up in D.C. for What a did day. he have to say to them? He just said a bunch of just sort of bland deregu- deregulatory blather. He was like, "You know, the government would never invent Uber. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know how long regulations are? They're so long. They're like a million pages long. Yeah. Here's I mean, what's amazing about this as a as an enterprise. Last time I checked, which was within the past two months, Newt Gingrich's 2012 campaign still owned owed like at least a couple million dollars to the people who printed their pamphlets. Yeah, he and went, set up their curtain rods. 
the, the one only mistake he made in his presidential run was that he went in debt. <laughs> Rick Santorum is still in debt from yeah. 2012, and 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 within the last year or so was renting out his mailing list from that election to try to retire some of that debt. I, that is bizarre to me that that is allowed. Uh, you know, people are just sort of. It's it's like uh, ghost written op eds. Like everyone's just okay yeah. with it. So what what is this? What is the the, the back to the the politics of this? The, the more electoral side of things. Um, there there are like what like nine Republicans in the race right now. Um, is 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 a big crowded primary field something that the Republican Party has a vested interest in in pursuing this time around? See, I thought not. When I read the Growth and Opportunity Project, which is what people call the RNC autopsy, that sort of like. Uh, what what went wrong in 2012? Uh, there there seemed to be no, no one really came right out and said it because it's not a thing you come right out and say that we need fewer people to run. But it was sort of implied that the campaign season, the primary season, went on too long. There are too many candidates who caught fire too quickly and burned out, wasted everyone's time, and there were way too many debates, too many opportunities. Uh, for someone to say something dumb that would stick with them. And, of course, one of the ways you can, you know, elicit dumb things people say is to have a bunch of opponents all desperate to claw their way up from 5% to 10%. Uh, And so I don't think that they had a vested interest in this. And I believe what the RNC really thought was going to happen was that someone would enter enter the primary early, not enter the primary, just announce just announce, or a couple people, and they they would accrue big elite uh, uh, backing, mm-hmm. and it would scare a lot of these people away from running. But like you just pointed out, everyone's got a pet billionaire now. Everyone has someone who will fund some kind of campaign, and uh, and so we're we're back in it. We're back in it with a situation where uh, they may not be able to put everyone running for president on the debate stage at the same time. Um, but it just shows. I think that I think that. We're entering a we're entering a world where like the traditional ways of campaigning uh, or even running a presidential election uh, are falling by the wayside, and I think Citizens United plays a huge role in that. I feel like party elites are not as important anymore. Uh, the RNC punted on solving this debate problem themselves. They don't exert a lot of influence. The fact that some guy in Washington thinks Scott Walker would make a great president doesn't matter that much anymore because he's got billions of dollars at his back. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you think. You know, you get on board with me, I take you somewhere. You don't put me in the mix anymore. It's different. Uh, and you see more and more campaigns setting themselves up where the person who would have in the past been the campaign manager, okay, the the sort of like, the the face of the campaign behind the scenes. Those guys aren't even working on campaigns anymore. They're going to be running super PACs. Bush's campaign, Mike Murphy, who would you normally would hire to be a campaign manager, he's going to run the right to rest super PAC, which means he's going to get rich. It, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get super rich, amazingly rich because because the 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 mar, the, the it's it's crazy how much money is going to change hands and how much percentage he's going to get from that. Uh, the campaign is not going to get a lot of money. Jeb Bush has said that most of his operation is going to be run by the super PAC. They'll make decisions. They'll take money. They'll cut ads. And the funny thing about it is, of course, that a lot of people still pretend that candidates and super PACs never communicate with each other. That is, of course, bullshit. And could... 
you, it could not be more apparent that it's bullshit because you would just not let a rogue organization do what it wants, do run your campaign right. for you without contacting you. I love I love the 2016. I love it. Well, yeah. L- l- what about the Democrats though? Because. The Democrats have, like, the opposite problem. I, I don't buy – a few few weeks ago, there was, like, a whole bunch of stories that were coming out saying, oh, the Democrats have a bench problem. The Republicans have such a deep bench. Look at all these good candidates. I think the Republican candidates are mostly deeply, deeply flawed and hugely problematic. But the, the Democrats have one candidate who is deeply flawed and hugely problematic. Uh, and that's basically it. That's right. Um, you know what? I mean, I mean, people are writing up Bernie Sanders. He has declared he's, he, is, he is running as a dem- at, at, for the Democratic nomination. So uh, technically there are two candidates. But, but – Everybody, everybody cleared out. The, the, the thing that the RNC elites wanted Republicans to do happened on the Democratic side yeah, without anybody ask, asking for it. They got it. It's weird. You know, one of the things I'll point out is that when we talk about we can we can we can over we can overrate the Republicans, quote unquote, deep bench. I mean, it's not necessarily a bench anymore if everyone on that bench wants to play quarterback. <laughs> okay, that's a little crazy. What, the real problem, I think, when it comes to the parties and their benches is that the GOP does have a deeper bench, and it's because they invest more in getting local officials elected to state legislators, legislatures, county boards, that kind of thing. And so there's a there's a chum coming up the mix of Republican legislators getting promoted through the system. Democrats have like really they seem to only be about the big show, the presidential election anymore. In a lot of ways, it's because there are fundamentals that inhibit them from getting uh, representatives elected to the House. But there, you don't hear a lot about the efforts being made to like fundamentally build that foundation in lo- state and local well, races. Well, but there's also the money issue, though. I mean, why why is it? I think it, everyone's got money. Why why is it that, that no no billionaire has been like, you know what? I I really like this congressman from Nevada or something. Just just run, just run. I'll 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 give you twenty million dollars. Just think, do it. I mean, I you think, don't see that happening. You see all that money going to Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I think though that I think the billionaires will start to figure this out, and I think some already have. I think that what'll what'll end up happening is that billionaires will understand that the presidential election. Well, you got to kind of play in it. It's not the place to play. The place to play. You. I mean, there's there's you can there's so many offices that you can run for practically unopposed uh, and, and you won't have to spend a billion just to get some county board guy uh, out there who will pass everything that you're well, and, in. and you know mitch mcconnell this is one of the sources of his power i mean he's not just a, a member of you know he's not just the senate majority leader um for years and years and years in kentucky um he has he has bankrolled just just house legislature uh the state legislature uh campaigns you know just just a thousand dollars whatever and if that person ever goes anywhere in kentucky politics they they know you know mitch mcconnell's the guy who gave me my start and i i owe him when i when i get someplace that's right that's right um, and and it's you know he he's had a lot of success with that and also done a lot of other crazy stuff on money and politics like directly launching lawsuits that eventually lead to citizens united and such but that is another story. Right. I tell you what, it's always interesting to me. We started talking about anything in 2016. Eventually, we're kind of led back to the money, which is where all the action is. Politics is basically money and violence. Yeah, just so. wait till we figure out who's who mistreated their dog. <laughs> There's the violence for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, keep up with Zach and Arthur on Twitter. Arthur is at... Arthur Delaney HP, A R T H U R D E L A N E Y H P. The HP stands for hip person, and you <laughs> should follow yeah. him. Uh, and you can, follow, pancake. you can follow Zach Carter at Zach D. Carter, which is Z A C H D C A R T E R. H as in hammer, 
Yeah, he brings the hammer. You can follow me at Deceiver. D-C-E-I-V-E-R. E-I-E-I-O. Thanks, guys. Okay, so we're back, and now I'm joined by two of my favorite people. You say that to all of the. I do say people. that to all of them because I don't ever have shitheads on the show. Not yet, anyway. One day, one day maybe. Uh, but welcome, uh, Laura Barone Lopez. Thank you. And welcome our the Huffington Post bureau chief, Ryan Grimm. Thank you. So, once again, we're going back to the well that is the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal, uh, of which you guys have written quite a bit about, but specifically what we want to talk about today is uh, slavery. And, uh, and the, uh, the way in which l- it was last week when voting came down to the wire, I think on Friday. Yes, 10 p.m. on Friday. Yeah, night. it was fun for all you guys covering it. Yes, I was there in the Capitol losing my mind. I was on my couch. I, I was at I was at <laughs> I don't cover trade so I was at home having a martini or something I don't know watching nice. Grace Elbig show um, and, uh, and and so the sticking point was over human trafficking specifically in Malaysia mm-hmm. and the Democrats the people who voted or the, those that have been opposing TPP uh, uh, wanted to take a stand on this issue and say. Slavery, it's not cool. It's like teenage suicide. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but the White House had a differing opinion. That's right. About uh, slavery. About slavery. About slavery. Because it has to do with slavery in Malaysia. And Malaysia is one of the 11 countries with the U.S. in the TPP. Uh, and so Friday night when they were voting to give Obama fast-track authority to push these deals through Congress... Um, a provision snuck in that had been put in by Senator Bob Menendez um, and was supposed to be modified, but he had put it in basically saying that any country like Malaysia, who's a tier three, which is the worst uh, designation you can have. Who, do, in, who does in, the designation? Uh, State Department. Okay. And tier three means that Tier three means like... they're the worst uh, uh, human trafficking uh, country. It's like the lowest rank that you can have. <laughs> is like tier North t- Korea, tier Saudi two, Arabia. Like you, uh-huh. Is tier Those two like are. you dabble in it? It's you that you're probably taking some action towards it or working your way to ha- gra- get a better handle on it. Whereas I don't think, you know, Malaysia in the State Department report, they say things like, uh, you know, certain cases will be reported and yet they go uninvestigated and um, right, tier three is you're bad and you're not even pretending mm-hmm. to do anything about it. Okay, yeah. so this is this is uh, these are the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so why on earth would it be controversial to take a stand against slavery, especially the sort of like human trafficking that puts you in the same league as North Korea or Saudi Arabia? Well, Malay, you can't just uh, kick Malaysia out of the deal if you're President Obama, because this whole thing is about global power. And Malaysia controls the the Strait of Malacca, which is one of just a handful of what are known as choke points ar- around the globe. Uh, the one that we're most familiar with is the Panama Canal, you know, and that and that drove our foreign policy for for half a century. So you can, if you can Im- imagine the Strait of Malacca, it's, it's basically a Panama Canal over uh, you know that connects the Indian Ocean uh, and and the Pacific Ocean. Something like eighty five percent of China's imported oil flows through this strait. Malaysia controls it. 
Uh, so therefore, they get to do what, whatever they want. It's it's as if the uh, if, we're, if this were Game of Thrones, as, as if the <laughs> ambassador from Slaver's Bay showed up and said, "Look, this is what we demand." And it's a shortcut too. Right, it, like helps. Yeah, sure, you could go around the Panama Canal. You know, nobody's stopping you from not going around Surely South America. Surely, it's less expensive to go around Malaysia, though. It's less expensive, but you know, shipping uh, and global commerce. You know, it, this is a, this is a game of pennies. Right, the margins. Uh, are... So, if you're spending an extra couple weeks out at sea, uh, you know, then you're not going to be able to compete against the people who are running right through uh, the Strait of Malacca. So. Uh, What this also does is help explain why the president, uh, you know, wants this deal so badly, even Mm -hmm. though all of his friends say it's going to hurt American workers. And he hasn't been able to come up with a a convincing argument because I don't think he wants to make the foreign policy argument because I don't think he thinks that that would really resonate with people. But but this is truly about geopolitics. I had on good authority that Barack Obama was like anti-colonialist Kenyan, right? So this is kind of odd. (laughs) I never understood why maybe not good authority why being an anti-colonialist a is a knock on an American. Wait, seriously, that doesn't. I mean, <laughs> what, what are they pro pro colonialist? <laughs> we were we were a colony. We threw it off. Yeah. I, I, I I you know I hope if you have uh, Newt or somebody on uh, who makes that line about him being an anti-colonialist, you ask him. I because I don't quite. Get what that? Why is that a bad thing? Well, if I have Newt on, you know, I'll, I'll say he's one of my favorite people because I'm a slut for calling him <laughs> my favorite people. Apparently, <laughs> um, no. But okay, so but do we have to just sort of sit back and accept this? Uh, that that okay. Well, in order to make this deal happen and to project power geopolitically, which is I guess something that Obama wants to do quietly but not make a big stink about. Uh, do we have to necessarily accept that Malaysia is going to continue these practices? What if keeping them out of the TPP arrangement uh, could be temporarily predicated on cleaning up their act? You know, the, the, the president likes to do the, those kinds of, uh, you know, black or white types of uh, choices. You know, you know, the, you know these people, you know, they don't want to trade. They don't want to trade anything with anybody ever. Uh, me, you know, I'm in the middle. Uh, and it's not actually uh, a decision of whether or not they're kicked out or or not, or whether or not they go uh, you know, China or us. Because in fact, Malaysia is very close to China. You know, you, you know. Do you like, mean geographically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or geopolitically. Ge- geographically, yeah. they're like a nine iron away. You right, know, okay. you can you, uh, you know they they can they can see China the way that Palin can see Russia. Uh, so if Malaysia wanted better relations with China. Uh, over the last couple thousand or a couple hundred or a couple decades, they could they could have them, but they don't. The Chinese are not a friendly country to to ally yourself with because they, you know, they're they're kind of bullies uh, in in the region. We are a much more sophisticated empire. <laughs> right. you know, we we don't make a lot of demands. We we come in. And we want to we want to put our ships here. So it would be bullying to say stop the practice of human trafficking, Malaysia. Right. We're not gonna and yeah and, and look we'll say look you we're need just to go take with some the flow, con- man. You, you, know, you need to take some steps and, and like at least <laughs> pretend like you're dealing with this. But we're not gonna invade them. Uh, you know we're not gonna build an island fortress right next to Malaysia. We're just gonna plant our ships there and let our uh, you know our our corporate vessels uh, go through. That's all we want. But we do have military assets Navy. in that area, though, don't we? We we, we have them now uh, tacitly, and this would this would this would kind of allow them to stay in a in a more permanent and a, an official kind of way. But the point is that Malaysia would prefer to have a closer relationship with the United States than it would to China. Therefore, we have leverage. So, so if we wanted we to, if we wanted to say, well, 
you know, they, you know, you've seen the Obama administration negotiate with Congress. You know, they, they often have leverage that they don't seem to think that they have and, and don't use. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And they're on, you know, they're on the clock. They're going into, well, they didn't have the second round of talks that they were supposed to, but it, he's on a tight schedule. And I think that he doesn't want to create more problems than he already has with getting fast track through Congress. So it's probably just because he wants to, they're trying to focus on making sure that he gets fast track because that's going to be a heavy lift in the house. It's not going to be easy at all. And it's, you know, paying or bringing attention to something that he kind of doesn't want to bring attention to would cause even more problems. Yeah. Laura, Laura's point about the clock is, mm-hmm. is key, you know, and, and it gets to how ungovernable uh, this country is becoming. You know, we're, we're headed into the summer recess, and after that, you've got the presidential campaign. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's he, he feels like he if he can get this through, he's got to get it through soon. And, uh, you know, if we had some type of uh, autocratic system, you know, he would do this at his leisure uh, and get the best deal he could for the United States. But, you know, he's term limited out next year, so he's going to. And he, he wants his name on this rather than Hillary Clinton's. Exactly. Well, I hate to bring attention to the problem a little bit more, but it was reported this week that in the border village of Wang Kilan in Malaysia, they uh, stumbled upon mass graves that are now being exhumed by the Malaysian government. They're part of uh, what appear to be a, a base of operations for human traffickers. Uh, and apparently they went completely unnoticed until people apparently got out of these camps and like went into the local towns begging for food. And now there are gigantic holes in the ground filled with bodies that have all obviously died of some nefarious reason. I mean, this is, this is this week, this is Mm -hmm. this coming out, you know, there couldn't be more, you, you can't put a more tragic face on what's going on. In Malaysia, is this this is uh, can we actually can we actually like move into a world where we're sort of tacitly approving of this sort of thing? That's the world that we that we live in now. Mm-hmm. And if our story was actually picked up in in Malaysia, uh, and and the the government responded to it and said we're not worried about getting uh, kicked out of the TPP. We've been assured by the United States mm-hmm. uh, that the the as long as we take quote unquote concrete steps uh, towards uh, reducing this this problem that uh, you know tier three violators can can remain uh, in uh, in the TPP concrete steps what does that mean that, well, that, that, that could be, could yeah. be a speech it could be a press release it could be a it's anything that the State Department affirms is a concrete step and the State Department has every incentive. To, to affirm, affirm that they're taking concrete steps so doesn't have to lead to any actual measurable yeah. progress. That's what the watered-down language would be, too, that if they say that they're going to take concrete steps and the State Department says, gives the go-ahead to Congress, then they're okay to be in the deal. So that's what the modified version of this language that snuck in in the Senate bill, uh, the House is hoping to change it to be along those lines. Performing autopsies on the bodies that they exhumed... And, and, and publicly saying that they're opening an investigation into who did this could plausibly considered be considered a concrete step. Sure, I mean if you're the State Department and your job is to, that would be quite a move for the State Department to say, oh, you know what? Actually, we're not going to certify any of this. TPP is blown up. I mean that's just not going to happen. 
so this thing's gonna. Do, do you reckon this thing's gonna go down, and we're just gonna have to like live with the fact that? Well, it's, yes. it's interesting. So <laughs> nice cynicism. So the next, or, the next I fight. Mean, yeah, I mean, the, the next fight is in the House of Representatives, right? Um, which is much closer to the people than mm-hmm. than the Senate is. Uh, they couldn't get uh, airstrikes on Syria. To the slave, enslaved people. <laughs> well, the American people who don't like these trade deals. You know, right. they, they've. They don't. Yeah, that's true. That's they they true. they push them. They tend to push these through during lame ducks, and that's and, what's going to make it harder. Uh, they only got if they had didn't have earmarks, they wouldn't have gotten NAFTA through. Uh, so you have a ton of uh, Tea Partiers against this in the House. Rush Limbaugh came out against it mm-hmm. recently. Now Paul Ryan is going to try to uh, take this slavery language out when he goes to the goes to the House floor. Uh, that's going to be tricky, you know, because Democrats are going to want slavery. that. And there's only maybe about 18 Democrats that have said, okay, they'll flip and vote for fast track. But the majority of the Democrats in the House are saying we're going to stay united and not vote for this. So, yeah, Boehner and uh, Kevin McCarthy and Scalise have to get as many Republicans as they can. And it isn't looking good. And uh, people within the more conservative faction are it's coming down to them saying, well, you know, he's never Obama's never come down here and really talked to us. He doesn't have capital down here. Some of it just comes down to not even trade, but down to, um, oh, uh, we don't want to see be seen as aligning ourselves next to this president. So we're not going to. Yeah. I mean, they've been saying for years uh, that he illegally oversteps his authority. And now they're going to have to try to explain to their constituents why they voted to give him more authority to cut a trade deal with like the United Nations one world government or something <laughs> right. like that. Right. It, it would be pretty cool. I think if there was like, say some nation that stood up and said, we're not going to let you get away with that. Anyway. It would be it, the, 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 <laughs> That'd be the, kind of cool. Wouldn't the, it? The, be, the best turn of events uh, would be that if Canada, which is a party to the, the TPP, cause it has, has a little Pacific border there uh, said, look, the United States is 70th. Uh, ranked 70th in in its labor protections and labor rights that it affords its own workers, and we're not going to participate in any TPP that allows a, <laughs> a, a serial abuser like the United States to be to be a part of it. And they need to up their game. Then all of a sudden, maybe Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown and, and those folks might actually be for a a, a sovereignty a, a facing trade deal if it actually got us closer to the labor protections that a place like Canada has. Oh, might be mean. So we're all basically counting on Canada to sort this out. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty depressing, guys. Um, well, uh, we're going to be where, – where does this go from here So besides the House of Representatives? Well, after the House passes it, which they likely will. Um, so you the, think it definitely still passes the House? The fa- fast track? I think that they're going to find a way to. I mean, they're they not going to leave. They can't. Yeah, they I think it won't. You don't think Fast Track will pass the House? Ooh. I think it will. Do we have a little wager, maybe? Bet you a Diet Coke. Uh, Coffee. All right. Okay, if uh, caffeine will be freely exchanged between our two (laughs) panelists, uh, depending on how this vote goes. Clarify my uh, prediction. I think it'll happen, but not in this, not under this president. I think the next president will get it through. Really? Uh. Whoever he or she is. Why why do you think it's going to take that long? I mean, if it doesn't happen now, then it then it can't happen until. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, okay. So this is this is Obama's one bite at this apple. Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I don't see how he gets it done in 2016 if he can't get it done now. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, right. I agree with that. But I think it'll happen. 
All right. Well, we we end on a sort of semi fun note that someone will either lose a coffee or a diet coke. Uh, but we'll return to this story as we know more. In the meantime, uh, sorry to everyone who is being human trafficked because apparently we're not going to do anything about it. For now. For now. Uh, and let, tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at L. Barone Lopez. That's L-B-A-R-R-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And I'm at Ryan Grimm. With one M. With one M. But people make that mistake a lot. There they do. You're, you're grim like the disposition. Exactly. Not grim like Michael Grimm, the guy who threatens reporters. Right. Oh my God. Thanks very much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced and edited by Ibrahim Balki with technical direction from Brad Shannon and assistance from Christine Canetta and Adriana Usero. I'm Jason Lincolns. This week, we were joined by Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter, Arthur Delaney, Ryan Grimm, and Laura Barone-Lopez. So That Happened is available on iTunes. Check us out in the iTunes store and look for the Huffington Post whole family of podcasts. Please subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, send an email to so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we miss you already. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.